0: Welcome to the Intelligent Living Podcast, where we discuss all things related to life. We have the entirety of the world's encyclopedias at our fingertips. There is more knowledge available to us now than in any time in human history. So why does it seem that the majority of people are not living intelligent and wise lives? Well, my name's Elliot, I'm the producer here at Intelligent Living, and our goal is to equip and empower you with the wisdom it takes to live life more abundantly.
1: got into the facility There's a police officer there and he stopped me a tall gentleman kind of big and he stopped me said where are you going and I told him where I was going and the lobby usually it's full there's no one in the lobby at all because of social distancing and so I'm standing there and he he asked me some questions and I answered the questions and he says well I got to put a face mask on you I I could give you a face mask you got to wear a face mask I, I said okay he seemed pretty a little bit serious so he handed me a face mask and so I took the face mask, and um, I was going to put it on. <clears throat> I'm not going to put it on now because I don't mess up my hair. I don't have much of it. But I put on the face mask and, I, and a face mask, and I put it right over my eyes like this. And I told the guy, I put it right over my eyes, and I said, there you go. And he says, sir, 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 no, 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 sir. And he starts laughing, and then I pulled it down where it's supposed to be. But I did that for a reason. He laughed. He thought it was kind of funny, but it kind of got him to loosen up a little bit. Because people right now are not loosened up. People right now are fearful, rightly so. So I want to talk about some things and how to navigate through it and what God says about things that can happen to us. And just really having the right perspective. And so you think about it. March 1st, 2020, there 30 reported cases of COVID-19 and only one death. So far nationally, it's a little different. But let me just put this in perspective. Nationally, roughly as of 1030 this morning, it was 1,500, uh, worldwide I mean, 1,506,396 cases. 90,057 have died. That's worldwide. And it's in 175 different countries. U.S. cases, 432,596 14,831 deaths. But the chance, I want you to understand, the chance of you getting it and dying from it is anywhere from one, some have estimated, to 3%. Some have estimated even less than that nationally. But you think about it, if it's 1%, that means 99% chance of you not getting it. So you put it in perspective, the chance of you getting it is very small. I'm not downplaying the disease, but the point I'm making is, People are very alarmed, and it's almost like everyone is so worried about it. They're not thinking rationally, some people. You see what they do in the stores. They're not rational sometimes. And so people right now, they want to know. They want to know what's going on. They want some answers, of course. We want to know what's going on. We want to know why this, why now. What am I supposed to do? What's going to happen to me? Uh, How long is this going to last? Will I get it? Will someone I know get it? And it goes on and on. But, you know, the truth is we don't really know. We don't have all the answers. We don't know how long this will go on, if there will be another case of it in the fall. We don't know those things. But when you're going through times like this, it seems like, that you, it seems like you're the only one going through it. And you wonder, are other people feeling the way you're feeling? Or are other people kind of worrying? Well, the truth is, right now, we all can relate to a little bit of fear. Uh, because of my condition, I do think quite a bit about what's going on. Uh, absolutely and so but the truth is all of us are in this right now together and all of us have some sense of maybe a little bit of worry a little bit of concern to say the least and so you're not alone you're not alone facing this and so I just want you to be aware of that but uh, let me just say this in light of what's going on right now people will say Well, where's God at in all of this? God, why don't you step up? Why don't you find a solution? Why don't you come up with a cure? And I thought, you know, if God, if someone were to come up to cure tomorrow, you know, most people would not give God the credit anyway. It's just how people are. Uh, but I don't have those answers. Why, why it continues to go on, I, I don't have those answers. I don't claim to. But I know you can be worried, troubled, and fearful. So going back to the title, COVID-19, the good news of bad news, why should I be afraid? And so I'm going to talk about this for a moment. And we like to think our problems are the worst. Right now, you ask people, what are you going through? What's the worst problem you have? Usually for us, the worst problem for us is the one we're facing right now. That's the worst trial. You talk to people. The trial I'm in right now is the worst. That's how it always is. And so let's talk about what's going on today. And I'm going to read a Psalms in a moment. Psalms 27. I'm only going to read a few verses. I'll refer to some others in a moment. Psalms 27. David is the writer, and he covers quite a bit of different emotions, beginning and the end. Are, there's quite a bit difference in those what he says to God. But I'm going to read it and you follow with me. Psalms 27. It's our main text, verse one through four, then also verse ten. It says, the Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and they, fo- and they fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I shall be confident. Verse four, one thing I ask of the Lord and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Psalms 27, verse 10, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Another version simply says, even if my father and my mother abandon me, and so if you read it, you read the rest of the Psalms, you find words like this. Listen, God, I'm calling out to the top of my lungs. Be good to me. Why don't you answer me? God, don't hide from me now. You've always been right here for me. Don't turn your back on me now. Don't throw me out. Don't abandon me, God. And he continues things like so. So on one hand, he talks about God being his refuge. And on the other hand, a few verses later... He's just going through some troubled times, and some writers say it can't be the same man, and I say it can be the same man, and it is it's David because any one of us know our emotions from can go from high to low in a very amount of, in a very short amount of time, but that's what 's going on here. but what I like about this psalms twenty seven that i'm going to point out that it is refreshingly real, which I think is very, very important, and so <clears throat> Think about it. So far, I mentioned this two weeks ago. They tracked how many times COVID-19 had been mentioned. I think it was three weeks ago, actually. It had already been mentioned 2.1 billion times. And of course, that's going to affect you. You cannot help. It can't help it but affect you. You're going to hear COVID-19 deaths, and you hear this, and you go on. And, and if you go into any bookstore, there are, there are literally hundreds of books on how to deal with fear, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with your emotions, how to deal with your negative emotions. goes on, and there's hundreds of them tell us how to deal with this. And people look to these books, and there's a lot of good books, and there's a lot of good information. But oftentimes in these books, and I've read some of them, they tell you that most of the time we worry about things that will never happen. And then they say, don't worry, don't waste your time worrying about things that may not ever happen. Okay, we can all agree on that. Don't waste your time worrying about things that may or may not ever happen. But then also, it's very popular today, especially in our culture where people in many of these books on psychology and being positive, and they will say things like this. You need to have a positive outlook. Well, let me just clarify I'm not against people having a positive outlook. Of course, have a better, it's better to have a positive out, uh, outlook than a negative one, of course. But they say be positive, uh, visualize your future. Uh, there's a fighter named Conor McGregor. He said this works for him. He would visualize when he's getting ready to fight someone. He'd see it all in his mind, and then he would just, he would just do it. He said it always happened according to his vision. He fought Jose Aldo. He said... I had it all down in my mind. I saw it all happening. I saw me knock him out. uh, uh, Visualizing works. And he said, it's all in your mind. If your mind can do it, you know, you can do it. He talked about it, but I guess he didn't visualize very good when a Khabib tapped him out. So I don't think he visualized that one. Uh, Or if he did visualize it, it didn't work. His visualization didn't work because he lost. He lost. In fact, he got beat up. Uh, So it didn't really work for him because it doesn't work all the time. But they say visualize your future, visualize only good things, focus on good things only. Confess what you want, confess, blessing, prosperity, healing, live in the moment. And all those things are are simply, they're good in one sense, but stay with me. But don't sit around and visualize all the things that can go wrong. That's basically what they say, a lot of them. That's just in a nutshell. Okay, okay. Now, having said that, Jesus in Luke 9, it will not be up. In Luke 9, Jesus tells his own disciples, I want you to let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Then in Mark chapter 10, verse 32, the Bible says, Now when they were on the road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, they were all amazed. As they followed, they were afraid. His own disciples were very afraid what may happen to Jesus. Then he took the 12 again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock me. They will spit on me. They will flog me. They will whip me. They will kill me. But after three days, I'll come back to life again. In Matthew, he says basically the same thing. He adds one word. He says, the Gentiles will mock me. They will scourge me, scourge me, and, and they will crucify me. But on the third day, I will rise again. They knew, the disciples knew this. Back in those day, days, days, crucifixion was was the form of punishment that everyone knew was the worst it was torturous it was they came up with a method how how, how can they make someone suffer the most and they thought crucifixion was one of them so jesus is telling his own disciples this is what's going to happen to me not only does he tell them what's going to happen to him he lays out details stay with me he doesn't hide it from the disciples he goes into all the pain that he's, he's, gonna, he's going to face. Uh, he kind of he lays it out. He lays out all that's going to happen to him. And if you look at it in light of what people say you should say or shouldn't say, you would say, well, he's being very negative. I mean, that is so negative to lay it out like that. I mean, those are things that people just don't want to hear. That's between you and God. Keep it there. But that's not what Jesus did. He lays out the reality uh, for him and his father and the will of God for his life and he understood it fully enough that he lays it out, and it's going, to be not, it's going to be full of pain. He doesn't hide it from the disciples, and he could have. He could have not told them anything about that, but he chose to lay it all out, and they would see what was about to take place. Paul did the same thing. But what does Jesus do, and what does David do? They don't do what moderns would do. They don't, not even close. In fact, it seems like David... Jesus and Paul almost do the opposite of what people tell you. And I'm getting to a point because this will help us navigate through worry, frustration, fear, anything that would come into our life. This will help us. David says, Though my father and the mother may forsake me, even if my father and mother abandoned me. You know, there was no indication that David's father and mother ever abandoned him. Then he goes on and says, Even though an entire army might come against me. He continues and says, even if it did, then he goes on and he says, I'll be confident in God. What David is doing, he is actually imagining the worst things that could happen to him. He is visualizing the worst thing that could happen to him. And he's laying it all out. You say, why would he do that? Because he wants to have a strategy of life, a strategy for dealing with the worries, the fears, and the anxieties. Something that that can stand up to anything that might happen. The thing David's talking about, these things may happen to him. His attitude is the opposite, is don't talk about In fact, he does talk about them openly. He doesn't have an attitude that, mem- that will make it small or minimizes any evil, any bad, or things that just might happen. The truth is, they say, don't think about those things that might happen because they probably aren't going to happen. Let me stop it there for a moment. No one knows what's going to happen in your life or my life. No one knows that, but they act like they do. They tell you, don't talk about that because that's not going to happen. How do you know that's not going to happen? How do you know that's not gonna happen to this family or this person? We have absolutely no idea what life will bring you and I and we don't control it all the time. And oftentimes we don't control it at all. Things come into our life that we didn't plan, we didn't want, we didn't even ask for. So I looked up pastors, <coughs> uh, COVID-19, you know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but there are many pastors that have died from it. Even as I say it, some of you would say, don't be talking like that now. Don't be saying nothing like that. That is, that's a wrong confession. Hear me out. There's pastors that have died. There's priests that, is, that have died. And this one pastor, a good guy, this guy, when it first came out early March, they talked about the COVID uh, virus and he thought it was overhyped. He said, no, this is, they're just going to overhype. I don't believe in that. And so he went to Mardi Gras. This is before they stopped all the functions. He went down to Mardi Gras celebration, and he goes down there as an outreach. He sets up his guitar. He has a band he brings. They set up and they play. They play jazz music. They introduce the, anyone that's there. They can hear him play. Then he witnesses, tells them about the love of God. And that's basically what a very good man, great guy actually, But he goes down there catches the virus and dies. So you think, why would you say that? That's called reality. Reality. You and I should not be afraid to face reality. You and I should not be people that hide from things that may happen to us. It is actually the opposite because when you face it, when you realize these things may happen to me, then you take a stance of even if those things do happen to me, it's not going to change my position with God. Totally different. The Bible says, it'll be up there. The Bible says you can have a way of dealing with anger and with anxiety and fear that assumes the worst things that may and can happen to you. Again, going back to David quickly. My mother and father might forsake me. Armies may come against me. Evil people are gonna eat me up. That's not gonna happen, David. Even if all my foes attack me, Though an army may besiege me, he says, my heart will not fear. Though an army break out against me. So David is talking about all these things that are so, so negative to most people. But he's talking about it. But the reality is there are things that could happen and he's bracing for that. I didn't say you dwell on it. But David says, I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm not going to be afraid of what life may bring my way because God has made all of us more than conquerors. The Bible tells us what to dwell on, dwell on good things, dwell on God. And our story, Psalms 27, verse 4, tells us all about God's presence, what to dwell on. But reality is there's things that will come. Our mentality must be that though those things may come, I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid to call reality, reality. And if they come my way, I have a position in life. I have a walk with God that I can overcome that. That's not going to change my position with God. So here we are. You have a position, a strategy that enables you and I to fear, to face all the fears, whatever it is, whatever may come against you and I. There's things you and I, our position, our, our mindset can be such that, you know what, it doesn't matter. David says in Psalms 27, verse 3, even though the army comes against me, he goes, continues and he says, but I will still have confidence in the Lord. And what David is saying is, no matter if these things happen, I have enough of God in me That I have enough to deal with this. I have enough to deal with this and I'm still going to be confident in my God. You hear people sometimes say the opposite. If this happened to me, I'm not sure. I've heard people tell me point blank. If this happened to me, I wouldn't even serve God. Well, that's a terrible position to be. That's a terrible thing to say. It's not what David said. David says, even if all these things did happen to me, they can, they may. But even if they did, he said, I still got confidence in God. That's what we all need confidence in God. Jesus talks about the good and the bad. He says, really talks about the impartiality of God. He said, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Job said, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Job goes through the greatest trial that anyone I think would ever face, or one of them, the Bible says when Job responds, the Bible says Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head, fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. How could Job be like this? I'll tell you how Job could be like this. He could respond this way to what life gave him because he had a real perspective about real life. These things have a possibility of happening. And when they happen... We're not so shocked by them that causes us to walk away from God. Okay, it happened to me, but my perspective is I thought it may happen. I'm hoping it wouldn't, but it may happen. And if it does, listen, it's quite the opposite. Though he slay me, I still will trust God. That's what Job said. I thought about the book of Daniel. You know, very interesting, the book of Daniel. We know the three Hebrew children. The... The king makes an idol, a golden image. He plays all this rap music, tells them all to bow down. He's when I, know this, I know I'm kidding. He didn't play rap music. Some of you say, well, that technically that's not right. Well, I, you know, but they play music. And the king says, when you hear the music plan, you're to bow down to the golden image. And if you won't bow down to the golden image, I'm going to throw you immediately into the fiery furnace. Okay. Well, the three Hebrew children, they say to the king, Daniel 3, verse 17, if that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver you from, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But in the very next verse, they say, but if not, But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. He says, but if not. I don't think you see bumper stickers say, but if not. We always say, always, you know, always comes out on top. We always win. It always goes our way. Nothing bad ever happens. It's not what they said. They said, but you know what? I have a perspective about life. That if I make a stand for God, that does not eliminate me being tried. He says, King, let you know, we believe God is able to do it. But if God doesn't do it, if he doesn't do it, you know what? It doesn't change my position of my heart. That's powerful. That's strong. You can't can't get any stronger. What are you going to throw at a man or a woman like that? What are you going to throw at a teenager That goes through all these great trials, but the bottom line in their heart, they say, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm serving God. That's strong. That's a life worth following. That's a life worth emulating. The New Living Bible says, but even if God doesn't, even if God doesn't, why would you say that? It's a possibility. It's a possibility that you won't get healed. I pray for healing for myself all the time. Possibility I won't get healed. Okay, that's reality. It's a lot of things. People are listening to me. They're facing things in your life. They're painful. They're difficult. They're hard. Our answer is not to run, act like they don't exist. But we just need to know in our own hearts that no matter what comes our way, We have something that even during this time where basically our hands are like, we have no control of anything, but even in this time, we're still able to say, you know what, my heart is still with God. That phrase, but even if he don't, another version says, but even if God does not rescue us, that little phrase literally means to have something residing within me. Listen, I'm almost done. What he is saying and what they were saying was this. They are saying, residing in me is a heart that has determined to serve God regardless of the circumstances of life. I have residing in me. You have to answer that question. I don't know what you have residing in you. But I have residing in me enough God that it's going to give me the ability to face it and still serve him. Hebrews 11.25, Moses says that he chose to suffer oppression with God's people rather than experience the fleeting enjoyment of sin. But listen to a different version. Having determined to endure ill treatment. Having determined. That means he made a choice prior to. The three Hebrew children made a choice prior to. David made a choice prior to. Job made a choice prior to. And you know what? We must make that same choice. So go back to the title. The good news and bad news. Why should I be afraid? So I'm going to close. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to ask you to purpose in your heart right now, tonight, wherever you're at. I'm going to ask you to do five things. I'm going to give you one sentence in a moment. But listen again, the verses. Psalms 27, verse one, it says this, it says, the Lord is, not was, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And whom shall I fear? That word fear means to make afraid. It means to terrify me. I I wonder if there's people listening and, and you are afraid and maybe even terrified. Maybe losing your job, not having your job, not having enough money. Don't know how you're going to take care of yourself. Don't know how it's all going to work out. Will I get COVID-19? Will a loved one get it? What's going to happen? We don't know none of that. But David's asking the question, why should I be terrified? Then he tells us why we don't have to be terrified. He said, because the Lord is, is the strength of my life. And whom shall I be afraid? That word afraid there is different than the word fear. It means to dread. It also has the idea of trembling. It means to shake and dread a great fear. He's asking the question, the Lord is the strength of my life. Then why should I even be afraid? Why should I dread? Why why would I even be afraid? I have him. Psalms 27 verse 13. says it like this I remain confident of this I will see the goodness of the Lord in that land of the living like I said there are many things that come into our life that we have absolutely no control over that are out of our hands but doesn't mean it's out of God's hands that's what we have to fully believe and understand no, you may not have control. I don't have control. People ask me, well, how long is it going to last? I have no idea, but he does. Add a control for humans, you and I, maybe, but to God? No, not at all. He's still God. Doesn't change anything. Coronavirus doesn't scare God. God's bigger than the coronavirus. He says, I would have fainted. It literally means I would have given up. I would not have the strength to continue. But he tells why. Listen to this version. Where would I be if I did not believe I would experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living? You know what? All of us can say that in our own heart. We can say that confidently because the Bible says that. I I believe that I may not have answers, but I believe that God's favor is on his people. How it plays out, I don't know, but I believe it. And I believe we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, here and now. David ends it all after he goes through all these emotions. From having all this faith to where God, where are you at? Don't abandon me now, don't hide from me. Then he ends it all with... Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So here's five sentences. So hear me out. Number one, I guess you can call them statements of faith or faith statements, but number one, in whom shall I fear? nothing and no one in fact you ought to say that I know Stacy always says that so does Alvin but I'll use it tonight you ought to say that you ought to say nothing and no one I think it does us good sometimes to say something whom shall I fear nothing and no one number two the Lord is the strength of my life simply means I shall continue I shall continue. Number three. I choose to believe in God's goodness. This life. This life. Number four. I purpose in my heart today that no matter what the days coming hold, I will serve him regardless of the circumstances. And you say that yourself. I will serve Him regardless of the circumstances. And number five. I put my life in the hands of God. I trust Him. You need to tell yourself that. Sometimes we tell ourselves a lot of things. Sometimes it's good to tell ourselves, I trust God. I want you to bow your heads with me. I just want you to bow your heads, whoever's listening, wherever you're at. I'm just going to say, before I pray, I'm going to say something to all the Christians. Think about what I just said, think about what I just spoke about. And you make a choice, the five sentences or five statements of faith. You say, oh, this is my position. David says, these things may happen, but it's not changing my heart for God. You have to determine that yourself. Everyone listening to me, something in your own personal heart, your own walk with God has to say that to yourself. You know what, no matter what happens good or bad or indifferent, pain, trouble, whatever it is, like the Hebrew children said, if he does not, we still are not going to serve the gods of this world. We're still going to serve God. And the last thing is if you're listening to me and you don't know the Lord, I would ask you, what are you waiting for? The verses I read, the promises are for God's people. But right now, you've never given your life to God. You've never given your life to Jesus. Sunday is Easter. For the Christian, it's everything. It's, the Bible says Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave. It's the, his tomb is empty. Well, what, but what does that mean to you? For a lot of people, it means absolutely nothing. It's just a day. It's just another celebration. It's... Candy, bunnies, and everything else. But the truth is that day means everything. In other words, your life can be free from addiction. Your life can change. Your heart can change. And maybe you're here and you're listening to me and you've never given your life to Jesus. I challenge you to give your life to Jesus Christ right now, here and now, in your living room, with your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend. And you pray this prayer with me. You say, Dear Heavenly Father, I give you my life, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I ask you to come into my life. I make you my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. You died on the cross for my sins. You paid the price for my sins. So, Lord, I give you my life completely. I give it all to you. I put my life in your hands now. Give me strength to live for you. I repent of all my sins. I turn from my old life. Help me to serve you from this day forward, me and my family. In Jesus' name, amen
0: hey it's elliot back again the producer of the intelligent living podcast i want to thank you for joining us if you found this episode to be useful would you leave a comment and let us know how it empowered you to live your life more abundantly also don't forget to rate the podcast and share it with the people that you know love and trust the most we can't wait to hear from you and we will see you next time